0: on how God uses prayer to form us and to draw us into greater Christ-likeness. So Acts chapter 9, but Saul, remember Saul, he was a man who grew up in conservative Jewish backgrounds, but he was converted to the Christian faith. It is arguably the most well-known conversion story of the whole New Testament. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, real quick, when it says that he went looking for people of the way, of course, he's talking about Jewish individuals who had converted to the Christian faith. So, the first time we read about Christians being named as Christians, this is Acts chapter 11, that's um, just a few chapters later, but at this time, Christians are simply known as people of the way Based upon Jesus' words when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right. Verse 3, now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. Imagine that, kids, just opening your eyes. You could just see what's around you. He opened his eyes. He couldn't see anything. It was like he was in a very dark room. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So, they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight. He couldn't see, and he neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, "Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul." For and just here's the, the phrase I want to consider with you for a brief time this afternoon. Behold, he is praying. Saul's blind. He's not eating. He's not drinking. He spends three days doing what? Fasting, and just praying. Now, when you and I think of this man, Saul, and when we think of his, if you grew up in the Christian faith, you know the story. If you know the story, it's like here you have, you have this Saul. And when we think of his conversion, when we think of his turnaround when he became a Christian, and when we think of his formation, being formed into Christ, oftentimes we think of that time in his, in his life where Christ subdued him on the road to Damascus and blinded him. Right? And we think, oh, there Christ subdued him. And it's at that point that Saul realizes what he has done, that Christ is real. And really at that point, he is, he's converted in Christ. Christ was forming him at that point. But I want to suggest to you that while his initial conversion started, the seeds of conversion started when Christ subdued him by that bright light, the real formation in his life took place when he was in those three days of darkness. And I think for a lot of us, if we know the story, we remember how the bright light came down upon him, you know, but I wonder how many of us here this afternoon remembered that when Paul was in darkness, we remember what he was doing. One of the things he was doing, he was spending a lot of time in prayer. Saul is one of the most um, significant and compelling uh, figures in all the New Testament, certainly one of the most memorable in all the New Testament. He was a radicalized Jew. He grew up in very conservative Jewish circles, and there was a point in his life where he hated Jesus, and he hated the church. He hated Christians. And at this point in the story, remember he was moving from Jerusalem to a place called Damascus in Syria in order to arrest Christians there, Jews who had become Christians, those who had defected to Jesus, and bring them back to Jerusalem in order that they might stand trial. And as the story goes, as he was on the way to Damascus, just as these bright lights are upon me, so too these lights are nothing compared to the light and the glory of Christ. And Christ subdued him and he blinded him And he was in darkness for three days. And I want to suggest to you that while during while he was during those three days, that that again he was going through the process of his conversion, but also he was being formed in Christ. And it was during those three days, while he was praying, that not only was he being formed in Christ, but God was preparing him for a very different lifestyle and to carry out a very different commission than what he was originally carrying out. Originally, he had the commission to arrest Christians, but he's going to have a different commission from Jesus himself. The Lord appears to a man named Ananias in a vision. He says, Ananias, I want you to go find this individual, Saul, and I want you to to give him a commission. Now, what is that commission? It's actually found in verse 15. Just listen to these words. The Lord says this to Ananias, Go For he, that is Saul, is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now you imagine that you're this man named Ananias. Ananias himself is a converted Jew, so once he's converted to Jesus... Once he's walking as a Christian, he knows about Saul. Everybody knows about Saul, this radicalized Jew that goes about arresting Christians and putting them on trial. And so the Lord comes to Ananias. He says, I want you to go to him. I want you to go to Saul. And Ananias must have been thinking, what? You want me to, you want me to, do, you want me to say what to him? That, that now he's going to be in service to you, Jesus? And that he's going to bear your name to kings, to non-Jews? and to Jews, and then you want me to tell him that he's now going to suffer for the sake of Jesus? Are you kidding me? And yet, as we will see, Saul received the commission and in time was willing to carry out this commission because God gave him the power and the grace to do so through the instrumentality of prayer. Remember that phrase, behold, he is praying number of years ago, a man named B.B. Warfield wrote these words. He said, Prayer is a means of grace above all else because it places us in conscious communion with God. When the soul is in contact with God and in conversation with God, because that's what prayer is, it not only puts us in the position of receiving grace like a flower turned upwards to the sky, but it actually ushers in grace. I want you to think about that when it comes to your own spiritual formation, that, that actually it's, it's virtually impossible to be formed in Christ apart from the avenue or the instrumentality of prayer. The words of B.B. Warfield remind us that when we pray, not only do we receive grace, but grace is actually ushered in or funneled into our lives By grace, I mean God's favor, God's goodness, God's provision, God's blessing. Everything that we need to be formed in Christ comes through the instrumentality of prayer. So let me ask you this then. Understanding this, if grace comes through prayer, do you thirst for that grace? Is it your most ardent desire to receive grace and by receiving grace then be formed into Christ? Because I will tell you on the basis of personal experience and your fellow human being like I am, we just don't naturally become formed in Christ. It takes discipline, particularly the discipline of prayer. But more than this is that your desire to be used by God like Saul, remember that it was through prayer that he received this commission from Ananias. It is your desire to not only be more and more formed into Christ, but to be used of greater service on behalf of Christ in the world. If so, pray. Pray. How many of us are really praying people? How much do you pray during the week? I think there's a lot of us at the end of the week we go, how much time did I really spend communing, communing with God? And we all do it in different ways. And we do it at different times of the week. I like to take prayer walks. I, I have a real hard time just sitting at a table thinking, I think it's time to pray, or sitting in a chair and take time to pray. I like to pray when I walk. You know, it's nice, they, my, my lips kind of go as I, as I pray, I pray for you, I pray for Abbotsford, I pray for my family. What's really nice today is that, you know, years ago, if you're walking down the street and you're mumbling to yourself, people go, hmm, I don't know what's going on with that guy. But now, you know, with the buds and everything, people just, you're, you're talking to somebody on the phone and they get away with it, so I just say it out loud, right? But we, we all have different ways of praying. But do, do you see importance of prayer for forming yourself and growing you in Christ? You know, one of our confessional standards of our church encourages us to pray. And, and here, here's a question it asks. Why should we pray? Why should Christians pray? And the answer is because prayer is the most important means by which we give thanks to God. But also this, we should pray because God gives his grace and his spirit. Listen to this. God gives his grace and spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly often do you think of the importance of prayer for, for forming you as a Christian and forming you into the likeness of Christ? You know, um, when, when, when we think of prayer, oftentimes, and, and maybe kids, you, you learn this when you're younger. You've heard of, well, here we are in the book of Acts, and we weren't learn the fundamentals of prayer. We learn Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. The supplication, kids, means just asking God for certain things. So we learn the basics of prayer this way. But how many of us think about prayer as a way of receiving grace and God's provision and equipping and empowering like, like rain that comes from the sky? And as the rain soaks us, so God's grace soaks us through, through prayer. I don't think we oftentimes think of that. When we think of receiving grace, I think in, in our circles, we, a lot of times we think cerebrally. Oh, grace and provision and growth in faith or even conversion itself happens through, well, what's happening now? Preaching or teaching or study or digging into the Word and growing in doctrinal comprehension. That's how grace comes. Now, preaching is important. Reading your Bible is important. Study is important. But notice that is not the emphasis here. It doesn't say, the Lord doesn't say to Ananias regarding Saul, Behold, he reads. Behold, he studies. Behold, he is praying. He is praying. So let me ask you as we draw to a close. Is God's hand currently on you because you're not walking in the way that you should with Christ? Is God's hand Upon you, and is it heavy upon you? And do you feel, because you are outside of Christ or you are not a Christian, that you know what you're like Saul? You're groping in the darkness, and you feel blind. Saul, when he's when he's in that that period of blindness, this is like a picture of what it means to be apart from Christ, to be blind, and to be groping for truth, and groping for meaning, and groping for a resolution to things that you're facing. Is there a little bit of soul in you? What keeps you from praying? Sometimes people, as I've worked with them, who are coming to faith, they say, I don't know how to pray. So what do you think prayer is anyway? And they have this thing, well, I've heard Christians pray and it's always this kind of flowery thing. Listen, prayer is very simple. It's conversing with God. It's talking with God. Talk to Him. Even if your language is broken, talk to Him. Pray to Him and ask Him. The one who asks in faith will receive. That's simple. That's simple. Pray God to fill you with his grace so that in the end you can sing as you learn the song with us, amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I was lost, but now I'm found, was blind like Saul, but now I see. Pray for that grace. And then finally, this. There, 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 I, I know there's many of us who just say, well, I, I really can't identify with that because I can't remember a time when I wasn't a Christian. And I, I love the Lord. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I struggle, but I, lo- I love the Lord and I want to do what's right and, and so on. So I can't, I can't struggle with a person who's complete blindness. But let me ask you, is it your desire in your current state to grow in a mind and a heart formation into the likeness of Christ? Then Pray. Pray for a greater manifestation of the Spirit. Plead, groan, crawl on your hands, your knees if you have to. But pray for the grace or formation in your life. It is impossible to truly grow in Christ apart from prayer. And then have the expectation that when you pray, God is able to complete the good work that he has begun in you to the day. Of Jesus Christ and may God make us this kind of people and may he make us this kind of people to such an extent that when visitors come and they come into this place more and more as the years go by they might be able to say the pathway church people wow behold how they pray because they know the importance of prayer for their lives and for their formation in Christ's in fact, let's pray now. Let's come to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we will fill out these things in our small groups, our care groups. But for now, Father, we touch on the basics of what you have given us, and that is prayer. Heavenly Father, sometimes we struggle. We, we, we don't really know how to pray as we should. I mean, Lord, that was the issue of the disciples. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Lord Jesus, you taught them. He taught them the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Lord, we thank you for the Avenue Prayer because it's a reminder to us that you as a God are real, that we are your children, and that you know us by name, and that you want us to pray to you. No matter how broken or sometimes convoluted our prayers are, Lord, you want us to pray. So we pray to you now we pray, oh God, that through the spiritual formation series that we are going through, especially with the sermon now, Lord, that it would be just a simple, brief reminder to us this afternoon to be a people of constant and spirit-filled prayer. For Lord, we need you, and we need your grace, and we need your spirit, and we need you to form us into the likeness of our Savior. So, God, this is our request to you this afternoon. We trust that you will answer it. For we pray this prayer in Jesus' name.